I'm Jared. And I'm Antasia. And welcome to A Cup of Tea. Everyone's intelligence has been shaped by distinct personal experiences. If you're curious to shed light on both humanity's collective and intimate truths, then have a seat with an open mind and a full cup as we examine reality through the blurry lens of our own individual perspectives. Have a sip while we talk about minority maternal mortality. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast. You know it. And I'm joined today with my lovely co-host, my beautiful wife, Antasia. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Wherever you may be. Whatever time you may be listening. Yep. However far in the future it may be, or if it's in the present, thank you for sticking with us. And I want to First of all, thank everyone's patience because it's been a while since we've we've had an episode. It's been a month. Call it a little summer break, if you will. But you know, everyone in their lives at one point or another needs time to dedicate to other things, unplug, recharge. I'm a huge proponent of that, but glad to be together today to talk about a very important topic that we've kind of been thinking about bringing to the podcast for some time now, and and now we have the the time to do so, and that is minority maternal mortality. And and this is something that you actually brought to me as a potential topic. And what are some of your initial thoughts about why you wanted to bring this to our audience and why you care so much about it? Yeah, I wanted to talk about this because it is, I think, a very important topic that people should be enlightened on. Um, It's something that really dawned on me when I became pregnant. And it's just something that, you know, we've seen it on, you know, the dramatic medical shows. And I'm sure we've read an article or heard a story of, of, you know, a mom who did not make it either out of her pregnancy or right after the birth. And I feel like we should really bring some attention to this topic and just kind of break it down as to why why it's happening, what the pattern is, and, you know, are we on track to kind of correct this problem? What are some resources as a society that we could gather to help moms in these positions and maybe aid um, nurses and caregivers and doctors? And so everyone can just have an equal fighting chance, pretty much. Absolutely. And my first take on this issue is it's it sounds like something that you never think it would happen to you exactly you never think that you would know somebody you know even if it doesn't end up in death there's still complications that happen in pregnancy and they're they're not so common that happens to every single woman but they're fairly common and a lot of women go through complications of, of you know whether it's to a, a minor degree or a major degree or it leads up to death and in, in some cases but you know i think it's great that you wanted to talk about this because it's like you said it's bringing awareness to the issue talking about how we can as a society get better mm-hmm. with that no, so i think um, it's a great idea yeah me too and as someone who has had a successful pregnancy from start to finish and being someone who also had a complication, but I was very privileged to make it out fine. Uh, My daughter's fine and I was able to receive the utmost medical care. I had a great team of doctors and we were able to nip the problem in the bud, watch it, keep it under control. 
but I know a lot of women don't have those same options. And so that's who I kind of want to talk about and represent in this episode today. Yeah, no, that that's definitely a good point. I, I was going to mention, you know, you have experience with this. And one thing I wanted to say before we dive in is that it really can happen to anybody regardless of what you do. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's factors out of your control and sometimes it's your situation. Sometimes it's the the medical care that you receive isn't mm-hmm. up to snuff. Like it's just sometimes it doesn't matter what you do as a mom or, you know, is a, is a mom to be, mm-hmm. it, it just matters what cards you're dealt. And, and I think we have to bring awareness to this issue to make sure that all moms are dealt the best cards yes right yes exactly and so just kind of a intro to where we're getting into um, my specific situation so i was diagnosed with gestational diabetes around my 28th 29th week of pregnancy i being a black woman and so i got diagnosed about even like two to three weeks late because i had a hiccup with the first test, had to take it again. Then the second time the results came back a little late. So I was about three weeks from the first test when I got my final results. It's like, yeah, okay, you have gestational diabetes. We need to get you to see a perinatalist. And so that's like a specialized baby doctor, if you will. And so I was going between my normal OBGYN and the perinatalist every week. Like I was, I had one appointment a week. And so with my circumstances, I'm a very short, tiny framed woman. Uh, My daughter was getting pretty big, pretty fast. And so it had gotten to the point where, um, and I control the diabetes the best I could. I checked my sugars multiple times a day. I had a very, very strict diet and she was still growing pretty fast. And so um, I had to end up giving birth early. I was I got a scheduled C-section at 38 weeks, and she was perfectly healthy. I didn't have any residual diabetes, and neither did she. And so, again, I came out on the fortunate side of that, and I just want to credit you know, my team of doctors and my family. And my mom had gestational diabetes with my uh, youngest sister. That genetics can also play a role in that as well, talking about, you know, you got to deal with the hand you're dealt. And so... And if my daughter ever decides to have children, that will be something she probably has to look out for too. But like I said, not every woman has access to the type of care that I had. And not a lot of minority women have the knowledge of how to even go about that. Because I had to schedule, you know, the perinatalist appointment, the initial one on my own. And, you know, without someone in your corner guiding you what to do, some women just like, okay, it's, you know, it's fine. I'll just go home and bad things can happen. We've all heard. So that's just kind of my stance you know why i'm so passionate about this specific topic Mm -hmm. yeah because like you need to be hyper aware during pregnancy Mm -hmm. even the littlest things can make a big difference and i even remember you know i I would say the operative word here is privilege because i remember when you were first diagnosed with the gestational diabetes and despite being in a very privileged situation you know in a great area great neighborhood with the resources that you needed to get through that, the doctor's offices, the hospital, all that stuff, I was still worried for you because that complication complicates pregnancy. Mm -hmm. It complicates giving birth. It necessitated a C-section. There's things that can go wrong during a C-section. There's always a possibility that your diabetes sticks around. Mm -hmm. And that was something we had to be really cautious for. But luckily, 
operation went well, you returned back to normal. And that's something that now that, that that's in your history, you're gonna be hyper aware of the following time mm -hmm. if we get blessed with another pregnancy at some time down the line. But, you know, all great things to, to bring up. To segue that, we're going to be going over a few different articles today. And the first one is from one of our favorite credible health sources that we reference in this podcast, which is the CDC, which is the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And this article is titled Racial and Ethnic Disparities Continue in Pregnancy-Related Deaths. Black, American Indian, Alaska Native, Women Most Effective, which I'm sure this doesn't surprise you at all. So first, what I wanted to highlight here is that this is measuring the pregnancy-related mortality ratio, otherwise known as PRMR, and this is basically the pregnancy-related deaths per 100,000 live births. PRMR for Black and American Indian Alaska Native women older than 30 was four to five times as high as it was for white women. That's statistically significant. Mm -hmm. Even in states with the lowest PRMRs and among women with higher levels of education, significant differences persist. These findings suggest that the disparity observed in pregnancy-related death for Black in American Indian Alaska Native women is a complex national problem. I mean, it says it right there. If, if the circumstances are, you know, supposed to be set at a level playing field in terms of education and quality of life and things like that, and, and you're still seeing a significant gap, that is statistically significant. That is a problem. And it shows a systematic issue is at play here. So let's look into some of more of the specific numbers from recent years. So from 2007 to 2016, PRMR increased from 15 to 17 pregnancy-related deaths per 100,000 births. So it's been on the rise. Non-Hispanic Black and non-Hispanic American Indian Alaska Native women experienced higher PRMRs 40.8 and 29.7 respectively than all other racial or ethnic populations. The white PRMR was 12.7, Asian Pacific Islander PRMR was 13.5, and Hispanic PRMR was 11.5. This was 3.2 and 2.3 times higher than the PRMR for white women, and the gap widened among older age groups. I think that is kind of attributed probably to the fact that as women get older, birth becomes a lot more complicated, mm -hmm. right? There's a much greater chance that something can go wrong for both the mom and for the baby. But the fact that the gap is widening is showing that in terms of receiving health care, these older white women tend to get better care and these minorities don't get as high quality of care, which explains why the gap kind of widens. When you're younger, your body is more apt to mm -hmm. fight against these discrepancies, even though it still shows in the data here. But as you get older, your body has less of an ability to kind of overcome the differences in, in the care that you receive and those other factors at play. In fact, for women over the age of 30, PRMR for Black and American Indian Alaska Native women was four to five times higher than it was for white women. The PRMR for Black women with at least a college degree was still 5.2 times that of their white counterparts. 
cardio my, I, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, I think actually, I think I'm just gonna let my <laughs> wife read off this part right here because I'm not really good with <laughs> medical terminology. So cardiomyopathy, thrombotic, pulmonary embolism, and hypertensive disorders of pregnancy contributed more to pregnancy-related deaths among black women than among white women. Hemorrhage and hypertensive disorders of pregnancy contributed to more pregnancy-related deaths among American Indian, Alaska Native women than white women. These disparities were persistent and did not change significantly between 2007, 2008, and 2015 to 2016. So, wow. I mean, this is... It's a lot to digest and kind of stepping back into, you know, systematic. Let's divulge into what systematic means. There's a lot of different misconceptions as to mm -hmm. what that means. And so when we're using the term systematic here in comparison to the minority women and the white women, we're not saying that the doctor's like, okay, you're black, you're not gonna be seen ever. That's not what we're saying. Um, an example would be in a affluent white community, we're just gonna say, you know, a mom can call, hey, I'm not feeling the best today. Do you have any availability? Can I come in? I live right up the road. Sure, we can get you in in 20 minutes. Can you be here? Okay, great. Now compare that to situation B where a mom lives in a lesser affluent neighborhood. The closest doctor's office is not very close. It's about a good maybe 30 minute drive away and it's a lower income neighborhood and so they are likely a little less staffed. Um, a mom calls, hey, I'm not feeling the best today. Baby's not moving as much today. When can I be seen? Oh, the doctor's really booked today. We're really understaffed. Maybe can you come in like two days? Looks like I can get you in on a Friday afternoon. Again, the two differences in that situation, the white mom was able to get in right away, same day, and the black or minority mom has to wait two to three days to be seen. She wasn't given an option for a triage nurse line at all. She has to wait two days and that could be life or death if the baby is struggling or if the mom is starting to experience early signs of preeclampsia. It's things like that that happen. So this that's what we mean by systematic, not just blatant outright, but just things that are mm -hmm. kind of ingrained, these biases. So I just wanted to clarify that. And for my own knowledge, would you be able to elaborate on what preeclampsia is? So preeclampsia is a condition, um, it's significantly higher in black women. It's a condition where pretty much your body is just trying to be done with the pregnancy. And so mm -hmm. um, your body's like, all right, the placenta's done, we, we, we're done, we're clocking out, we're, we've given it all we can. <laughs> your blood mm -hmm. pressure spikes significantly, like your body is pretty much trying to expel the baby. And it is an extremely, extremely dangerous situation to be in. And if you cannot get medical care, it's gonna just feel like you're really, really sick. And again, with black women, that can just be ridden off as, okay, you're pregnant. Of course, you're not gonna feel well. Um, right. And so, and then she goes in and it's like her blood pressure is through the roof. They, you know, they can't even get it under control and she bottoms out. Preeclampsia is just one of those things. And yeah, cardiomyopathy, pulmonary embolisms, hypertension, all these things that do get ridden off amongst the black population, especially black women as, oh, you're pregnant, you're gonna feel this way. Oh, you're gonna be swollen, you're pregnant. Yeah, your chest might hurt, you're breathing a little harder because you're pregnant. Like that's that's not a reason to not investigate. Um, because again, the white woman goes in, oh, my chest hurts, I'm feeling a little icky. You know, she gets a full blown exam and so, 
we're not gonna pretend like these things don't happen and that these disparities aren't real. They are medically documented. There is medical journals way back in the beginning of medicine that are, and they're still in some medicine textbooks today, medical textbooks today, that black people, African-Americans, experience pain significantly less than any other race. And that is not true. Not Our skin, true. we have the same exact skin receptors um, that white people have. Same nerve endings. Same everything besides a little bit more melanin, but everything else is the exact same. And, you know, the first, first C-section when they were perfecting anesthesia and how to do it, that was done on a black woman with no general anesthesia. She was cut open, completely feeling it. So... And then didn't you say that she died she due did, to the yes. shock? She died due, due, to, the, the due shock. to the shock. I mean, experiencing pain like that. She died will, due to the shock. Will kill her. Will kill you. So, this is again. This is goes back to what we mean by systematic, because these doctors are learning these techniques and these ways to diagnose from these old medical textbooks. Now, some have changed, and there's been lots of studies that have come out that shows, oh, you know, that book written 300 years ago, not true. So. <laughs> We're, we're, if only we could think that way in other contexts. Yeah. Well. So we're on the cusp, but we still have a lot of work to do. But again, this I just wanted to circle back to what we mean by systematic and these biases. Um, right. That's all. That's what I wanted to give yeah. back to. Well, first, I want to give you a shout out. Thank you for being my medical consultant expert on this podcast. Because for all of you guys out there that, that listen to us, just know that Every time I sound smart talking about something medical related, it's because I've done a lot of research. I have generally no knowledge of the body or things like that. Like I, I really have to do my homework to understand certain niches like with coronavirus and, and COVID. Like I had to do a lot of research to really understand how that all worked so I can facilitate that accurate knowledge. But in terms of like what all your bones are called and <laughs> what types of cells there are. I, I, I know some of the basics, but I'm not really, I don't have that extensive knowledge. So thank you for always leveling that with me. You're welcome. Just call Tasia MD. <laughs> I will. It's better than WebMD, I'll tell you that. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, WebMD just always says that you're gonna die pretty much. For, <laughs> yeah, paper cut, you're gonna die for in three days. But back to the topic at hand, Thank you for also outlining systematic and mm -hmm. what that means, because some people don't understand that and that's mm -hmm. okay. It, it doesn't have to be necessarily an ignorant mm -hmm. thing. It just has to be, sometimes you really need to understand ways that you could discern what systematic means. And to me, I, I kind of just, I'm a very logical fellow. For me, data doesn't lie. Mm -hmm. And when I see statistics like this about pregnancy-related deaths being four to five times greater in minority women, especially of darker skin, black women, than you know, white women. That That's just, that is statistically significant for me. I mean, some of these rates for, for PRMR is just ridiculous mm -hmm. for black women, especially, because you look at these numbers and across the board, Black women are getting the brunt of it. They are mm -hmm. they experience the highest pregnancy-related deaths out of all the ethnic groups. And it's just stunning that somebody could actually look at these true statistics that aren't biased in any way. These are real numbers. You can look them up yourself and say to themselves, 
no, like this has to be it has something, to be something else. else. This has to be something else. Like maybe black women are just genetically predisposed to this. And well, the fact is that there's been a lot of medical research conducted on the matter. And, you know, we'll get into this with the next article, but really there's more of these systematic factors at play. It's really nothing to do with genetics mm -hmm. because we're all the same, except for some minor differences here and there. For the most part, pregnancy in black women behaves the same as it does in white women and Asian women and Hispanic women, all these different ethnic groups. It's not like some races carry to term for seven months and then some <laughs> carry to nine months mm -hmm. and, and some use a placenta and some don't like we're, we're all the same species. And I just think that people need to understand that. Like it'd be one thing if maybe black women had a few conditions that they were predisposed to genetically. Like we already know certain black people are predisposed to sickle cell, mm -hmm. right? Just like some, you know, ethnically Jewish people can be predisposed to Tay-Sachs. So those are things that we know about, but you know, this is a complete different ball game. When you have a systematic issue affecting all different types of women who have, you know, different genetics, but are just part of the same ethnic group, dying at higher rates than other women. To me, that's the smoking gun. That's enough for me mm -hmm. to say there's without a doubt a problem in this country. And I'm sure, you know, we haven't done research on it, but I'm sure that there's other parts of the world that experience similar issue for different ethnic groups. I would not be surprised at all because unfortunately part of the human condition at least to this point in human history has seemed to be biases against certain ethnic and racial groups for some type of gain. Um, or like what you mentioned about how for years black people were attributed to having a higher pain tolerance mm -hmm. and threshold and that's ridiculous because that stuff doesn't just go away when you stop writing about it in medical textbooks 50 years ago. It carries on through generations. And yeah, I because wish people have, would see that. Yeah, because you have those doctors who read the book and then those doctors go practice and then they teach. Then they teach new doctors. Those new doctors practice that, get older, go teach. So it's just this same cycle over and over and over. And, you know, again, it's documented text. So it's not like we're just fabricating this or trying to push some certain agenda. These are documented texts that says this and it's for anyone to look up. And if you just take a step back and like you said, look at those statistics, what could possibly drive statistics like that besides these inherent biases that we have just learned it's like i said we it's, it's it's documented in text we see it in movies where it's you know dramatized but the preface is still there that again a black person mainly black women particular to these articles can come in complaining of some sort of ailment and it immediately gets written off as okay it's just this you're fine go home I being a personal victim to that, uh, not necessarily related to my previous pregnancy, but to something else, I can completely attest to that. And so again, numbers don't lie. And these numbers clearly add up and show that we have a problem and we need to address it. Without a doubt. And luckily, here, here's the thing. So like you said, babe, just for the audience out there, look at the facts yourselves. 
it's it's not just published by the CDC. This data is literally available everywhere. So if you want to have a cut and dry look at this data from across multiple sources, go ahead. Because what you will find is the exact same story no matter where you look. Mm -hmm. But luckily there is a bright side to this, right? There are ways that we can help solve the problem or help at least alleviate the problem. The CDC has outlined some of these on their page here under reducing disparities in pregnancy-related mortality. These efforts include hospitals and healthcare systems can, one, implement standardized protocols and quality improvement initiatives, especially among facilities that serve disproportionately affected communities, and two, identify and address implicit bias in healthcare that would likely improve patient-provider interactions, health communication, and health outcomes. Yes, that one is the big one. We need to really identify and address these implicit biases, and people get really offended when you tell someone to check their bias, the same way when we say check your privilege, and people, ah, yes, check it. So by having these healthcare systems and professionals check their implicit bias, it's like, why do you feel the way you feel? Where did you learn that? Who are you basing this on? And how could you change the outcome? So if you find yourself in this pattern where, you know, you in any given week, you've had about, you know, four to five, not too happy, you know, minority black women leaving your OBGYN office, maybe you should take a step back and see as to why that is, because it can't be all of them. They all, what, they all can't be upset for the same reason. So maybe all of them just aren't complaining of back pain, you know? Maybe it's like, hmm, what am I not taking into consideration here? Why am I just dismissing them off with back pain versus trying to really see what's going on here? Why am I paying more attention to, let's just say, you know, Margaret's case and not, you know, those other women's cases. Margaret is the white woman here. And so <laughs> Thank I'm just <laughs> for the clarification. I appreciate that. No offense to any Margaret's, I just had to think of a name. And so, you know, that's what I'm just that's what we're talking about here. These implicit biases that we all have, just all in a general them. sense. But when it's really important, you know, these women trust we trust our doctors. We are so vulnerable pregnant, you know, we have for the most part no idea what's going on. We're trusting a complete, you know, stranger to take care of this super fragile little being inside of us. Any given moment where we feel something that's quote unquote wrong, who we go to? Our doctor. And so when your doctor just dismisses you constantly, you don't feel valid. And so for the doctors, again, who have these constant complaints, uh, you know, Dr. Johnson just was really rude to me. He didn't even asked me a second question when I told him that my chest was hurting or, oh, Dr. Johnson really chewed me out the office. I He didn't even follow up on my question from last week. And so again, this is why we say check your bias because if you're having the same complaint over and over, it, you might want to look in the mirror and see what's going on. And so that second bullet is a big one for sure. Right. And what I think of when you say that, or when you said that, what I thought of is the same analogy where a person has multiple partners, mm -hmm. multiple relationships, and they all break up with that one person for the same reason, mm -hmm. but they can't find it in themselves to see that they are the problem. Yep. They themselves are the problem. And it's not their partners, mm -hmm. they are the problem here. 
I love that. I love what you said to check your bias because we, like you said, we all have biases, people. Like, let's be real. Like, think about something that you're really passionate about, whether it's a sports team、mm-hmm. or a cause or something like that. I guarantee you that there is a point in all of us where you start to blur the line between fact and opinion、mm-hmm. because that's just what we do. We're, we're irrational creatures as much as we're rational creatures, and we just have to accept that. That's why I'm. This podcast is all about that blurry line between individual perspective and collective truths because they are one and the same in some regards. And we just have to learn to put on that filter so we can distinguish the two. They're both very valid, but、mm-hmm. you have to know the difference. So, in this case, someone might have an implicit bias that they're not even aware of and how it affects black women, but Maybe once they see that, they'll realize that, okay, well, I understand why I was doing this, but I understand also why I shouldn't do this.、Exactly. And now that I know that, I can better serve my patients and improve my practice.、Exactly. And of course, besides just checking your bias, you need to have standardized protocols, anyways, in、mm-hmm. place. I mean, look at, there are so many companies nowadays that you, you go to almost any company and there are standardized diversity, equity, and inclusion principles built into the framework of every organization. Whether they work or not is not the matter of this discussion here, but just to say that I think here in the 21st century, we're realizing how important it is to be a good citizen, a, a person that respects other people for their differences. And, and treats them with that respect and is an environmental steward and just basically showing more respect and empathy for those around you despite the similarities, the differences, whatever it may be, and just embracing that, right? So that's kind of getting woven into the fabric, all these different things. So you see that with healthcare systems as well. There's a great opportunity to do that,、mm-hmm. right? Well, as we start to wrap things up here, I did want to touch on another article, which is going to look more into that systematic issue that we've been talking about. What are some of the root causes of the minority maternal mortality rates, right? So, what we'll be looking into is an article from the journal titled Curious. This article is titled A Mother's Cry. A race to eliminate the influence of racial disparities on maternal morbidity and mortality rates among black women in America. So, again, like I said, what I want to stress here from this article was identifying the causes of healthcare disparities. So, there's a few different factors. The first one socioeconomic factors. African Americans are at a poverty rate of 20.8%, more than doubling non Hispanic whites at 8.1%. Pre existing racial inequalities in the rates of health insurance coverage, differences in access to health care, the inclination to work, low income paying jobs with no health benefits. So, those are some of the basic underlying socioeconomic factors. And that What I would say, that's basically already not starting on an even playing、mm-hmm. field. When you have a group of people whose poverty rate is more than double the next minority group, that's a problem.、Mm-hmm. That's a significant problem. And I, I don't think that a lot of people realize just how much of a difference that makes. What, what I would challenge anybody that, that doesn't think that that makes a difference or that it's just so easy in the United States of America to just pull up your bootstraps and 
be an entrepreneur and go to work and get that job and get that raise and make it work and make it happen. I, I would try to do this. Why don't you play Monopoly with your friends and at the beginning of the game, you start with no properties, but for every time all of your friends go around and collect $200, you collect 10. And watch yeah. how quickly that game <laughs> spins out of control. And when you get community chess cards, you have to turn them into the tax department or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm just saying like create barriers. Mm -hmm. And then if you win the game, good job. You, you probably did something that you have a very, very incredibly low chance of doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was probably a fluke to be honest <laughs> with you too. So when you see these feel good stories, I'm not invalidating them whatsoever, but you know, to get to that point where you pull yourself out of poverty, you need to catch breaks. Mm -hmm. You need to have some sort of luck. And of course I've talked about luck before on this podcast and what that means as a construct, but you know what I mean, babe? Like you need to recognize that starting off in such a poor position mm -hmm. already sets you up for failure. A hundred percent. And how it touches on, um, again, yes, being at such a low poverty rate and having to work these low income paying jobs with no health benefits. If you don't have health benefits, you can almost not go to the doctor because it's completely unaffordable. And that's a yep. different topic for a different day. But again, you are a black pregnant woman. You just found out you're pregnant. You do not have health insurance. What do you do? going to see your doctor to get an ultrasound and get your blood work done, this whole, th an exam, all these things you get done in those first few appointments, that's hundreds of dollars. That is the difference between putting food on the table, maybe getting your kids signed up in a sport that they wanna do, maybe having your lights on, your gas, like, of course that mom is going to put that money towards the quote unquote more important things and, you know, if this isn't her first pregnancy, that's like, okay, you know, I've been this, I've done it before, I can wait a little bit longer. And that sounds far-fetched, but it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. There's women who don't go to the doctor until they are, like, beyond the halfway point. It's insane. It's but scary. It's scary, but these are the conditions that a lot of women have to live in because of situations like that. It's a huge problem, right? Because you have women that are literally mortgaging their own health mm -hmm. to pay the rent, mm -hmm. to make sure that their kids are fed, to make sure that they will continue to set their family up for success. And it, it's not fair because something as core to being a human being is your health. Treatment should always be available to you regardless of if you could pay or not. That's my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. I completely understand if people on this podcast that are listening disagree with me. I completely embrace that. I, I, I challenge you to have your own view. But, you know, personally, for me, I, I just don't see how it provides any tangible human benefit. I, I understand more of paying for your own school because at least you're putting yourself through mm -hmm. education with some assistance, of course, but you know, that's provided in some cases, but I mean, healthcare is just something that I've never understood why, I mean, I understand some things why you have to pay, but it's like in a matter of life or death situations, mm -hmm. people are scared of that $10,000 bill that they're going to get from the hospital. People are literally rescued by a helicopter when they're in dangerous situations, airlifted to the hospital 
and then they probably almost have a heart attack again or a panic attack because they get a $30,000 medical bill mm -hmm. in the mail and 25,000 that was just from the helicopter ride. And it's it's freaking ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Like, I'm, I just have to put that out there. Oh, 100%, it is. But again, that's a different story for a different day. And for a country that, you know, cares a hell of a lot about unborn children, um, you think that we would set the mothers up a lot better than we do. Yeah, you would think so. Uh, but that's also a conversation for a different day. So we touched on socioeconomic factors, your starting base, I would say. But then the next factor is pre-pregnancy care. So this is okay once you are either trying to or not trying to get pregnant, this is where this comes into play. Mm -hmm. The high rates of obesity, hypertension, diabetes, and chronic disease among ethnic and racial minority women, and the close correlation between these comorbidities and adverse maternal outcomes emphasize the critical need to focus on preconception. Preconception. Roughly half of the pregnancies are accidental, highlighting the need for strong contraceptive emphasis. Unattended pregnancies have been associated with numerous adverse perinatal outcomes, and mm -hmm. there are substantial racial and ethnic differences in unintended rates of pregnancy, with black and Hispanic women having higher rates of unintended pregnancy than white women. And I wonder why. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, we've, we've talked about it personally before, just in a broad sense, health class in high school, mm -hmm. which is where a lot of these kids get their foundational sexual knowledge, which is a joke in of itself, <laughs> is a joke. Because mm -hmm. they hardly touch on anything but i i think that this is proof here that white families set up their sons and daughters mm -hmm. better to utilize these contraceptive methods mm -hmm. rather than minority families and yeah it's all just a snow it's just a snowball effect each of these terms relates to the previous in in this specific case so yes mm -hmm. pre-pregnancy care trying to prevent these unwanted pregnancies and not gonna snowball off into something else. But again, so going back to the poverty rate, so we're say single mother, doesn't make a lot of money, has to work two, three jobs just to make ends meet, put food on the table, has teenage sons and daughters. If mom is not home and she's gone 18 hours of the day, mm -hmm. so you have teenage girl out doing God knows what in the streets, teenage boy out doing God knows in the streets, what do we think is gonna happen? And mom hasn't had the time to sit down and teach, you know, said teenage son how to properly use a condom and prevent pregnancy with their female partner. And same thing for the teenage daughter, how to also teach your partner how to properly use a condom, birth control. These are all things that, because again, if the mom doesn't even have health insurance, how is she gonna afford? birth control. This is why Planned Parenthoods are very important because Planned Parenthoods administer condoms and contraception and birth controls for pretty much free. But again, I'm not going to snowball off into that topic. But again, this is how A plus B equals C plus D, you know, it all goes mm -hmm. together. And so, like you said, we know exactly why this these numbers are the way they are. And if you get pregnant and you didn't want to get pregnant, you're not gonna want to go to the doctor. You're like, why would I pay for this doctor's visit? I don't care about this baby. I'm just gonna wing it, and I'll see it when it comes out. You know, if it makes it out. So that happens all the time, and mm -hmm. that should never 
that should never be the case with any child being brought into the world, but it, it's just an unfortunate consequence of this chaotic chain of events that we've discussed. It's It really starts with the resources in education, mm -hmm. but as you mentioned brilliantly, the circumstance surrounding minorities tends to discourage this mm -hmm. way of thinking. And there tends to be a little bit more freedom and liberty with these minority teenagers, which leads to, and young adults, which leads to these unintended pregnancies. And, mm -hmm. you know, being someone who is a minority, but is in a more, say, privileged situation because they have that knowledge and those resources, I'm sure just completely feels almost like that they were blessed to be in that position because not all of their brethren can mm -hmm. say the same. Not all their brothers and sisters can say the same. Next up is prenatal factors. A multitude of factors plausibly play a role in the receipt and timing of adequate prenatal care, including but not limited to the high cost of care, insurance availability, commuting challenges, and lack of culturally competent care, which I will say for the record too, there's already a severe lack of culturally competent products on the market, but that, again, that's <laughs> another episode in of itself. But what do you think when, when you hear that? I mean, it's pretty much the same story just bubbled up now to prenatal care, right? Yeah. And same again, challenges. Branching off of the previous point before. So just showing again, if we have this minority teenager who's now pregnant or again, single mom, no health insurance, who's now pregnant again, is she going to rush to the store to go buy prenatals? Is she going to go to the doctor to get a prescription for prenatals? Probably not. Do they have insurance? No. And so now you're either going to get some cheap gummy that has 10% of the daily nutrition that you need, or you don't take them. And prenatals are so important before pregnancy and in very early pregnancy. Those are a crucial part of developing that fetus. And so if you don't have access to just those small things, that can play a huge part in, again, the mom's mortality through the pregnancy. Sometimes there's things that happen to the mom in early pregnancy that can be caught very early. But if you aren't able to go to the doctor and catch that in time, again, even things it's like ectopic pregnancies where the pregnancy doesn't even make it into the uterus and it, the egg implants in the fallopian tube, that is called an ectopic pregnancy. And it can be caught early if you, again, go to the doctor because you'll still have pregnancy symptoms. You will, you'll miss your period. You'll kind of get the cramping and everything else. But then out of nowhere, you'll just get an intense, intense, intense amount of, of pain. And, you know, you go to the doctor, hospital, you catch it. They can remove it, surgically fix it. You're good to go. But if you don't have health insurance, you are going to be like, uh, it's okay. It's just, you know, cramping. I'm pregnant. It's fine. Until it's too late. Until it's too late. Until your, you know, fallopian tube bursts. And now you're dying because you're bleeding out from the inside. And so, again, just snowballing off that previous point. We're, all, we're starting to see, hopefully, how these each correlate to one another. Right. Hopefully, audience, you can realize that not one person, organization, or entity is to blame for any mm -hmm. of these. It's a complex problem. I'm not denying that at all. It's a very complex problem. 
in of itself, poverty and socioeconomic inequalities is probably the most complex problem that any sophisticated society will face because it affects so many different facets of life. But it's the foundation and it bubbles up to this. And like I said, not having insurance plays a huge role. Having expensive healthcare plays a huge role. As you mentioned earlier, being 30 minutes away from your nearest hospital or healthcare facility is a challenge. And of course, we mentioned culturally competent care. If most care is catered towards, say, white women mm -hmm. and not black women, how is that going to make them feel accepted? Mm -hmm. how, how does it make them feel when all the methods and, and preferences are fitted to white women and white women alone and you know some of their more common challenges that they face and, and really ignoring some of the issues with like black women like mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier before that because of some of these factors black women tend to be more predisposed for certain issues but mm -hmm. you don't really see many doctors out there making an effort to be like okay well i have a black woman who is a patient i should probably really make sure I'm actually paying more attention to how she's progressing to make sure that nothing develops that will adversely affect her or her pregnancy. Mm -hmm. But you don't see that too often. And it's, it's disappointing. We definitely need more of that culturally competent care. And it just all of all these factors play a significant role. And, and the, the prenatal factors here, it's with it's regardless of whether the pregnancy was planned or unintended, mm -hmm. these affect both of those cases equally. So now once you're getting ready to actually deliver, it turns into the quality of hospitals. In a comparative study done to assess the effect of delivery site on disparities, it was estimated that if black women, get this, if black women gave birth in the same hospitals as white women, nearly 1,000 black women would be able to prevent severe and detrimental incidents during labor hospitalizations, decreasing the frequency of black maternal morbidity from, drum roll please, 4.2% to 2.9%, which it's a start, right? It's a start. It, it should definitely be lower than that, but this is probably the thinnest margin of all the points we've discussed today, but I think it, it still is significant enough of a difference to at least suggest that, okay, well, based on the services that the hospitals are providing and the resources that they have that are making them equipped to handle some of these issues, that a thousand of these black women could have been saved mm -hmm. during childbirth had they been actually delivering at hospitals that some of these white women were having their deliveries done. But again, another disparity is if you have a lower socioeconomic status, not only are you adversely affected because you can only get lower paying jobs, you can't really get health insurance because mm -hmm. you have to get the state run health insurance, which is expensive. Mm -hmm. And most low income jobs don't provide those benefits. And you're living in a part of a town, city, or state that shares your low socioeconomic status, whether you're below or near the poverty line, mm -hmm. 
And that in itself comes with having poor infrastructure, poor resources, because literally, I hate to say it, but the city does not care about you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the landfill of the city, if you will, of all, all, you know, garbage in, garbage out, right? Like they're the overlooked ones. And yeah. so they get the hospitals that nobody wants to work at. Exactly. Or at least not many people want to work at it. Maybe a few good Samaritans here or there, but they, they get the hand-me-down equipment. They mm-hmm. get the hand-me-down resources. And it, it adds up, mm-hmm. man. It really adds up, especially when we've had modern medicine for God knows how long. And we're constantly innovating new technologies and whatnot. But... But, you know, we can't stop a black woman from dying from just a basic hemorrhage after giving birth. You know, something that once the baby's delivered, the placenta's delivered, the doctor's putting you back together, most hemorrhages generally come a little bit after that, maybe an hour, a couple hours. But the difference of that is just having an attentive doctor and nurse. If you put your call button, hey, like... I'm bleeding. Hey, my wife's bleeding. My partner's bleeding. Can you come in? Yeah, okay, sure. We'll be in in a second. That adds up because mm-hmm. the doctor is now, oh, the doctor just got called into another birth. He'll be in there soon. Like that time adds up. And now an hour has gone by and she's she's bled so much that she doesn't have, she can't even hold a pulse. And that has happened. It's happened on a lot of occasions. An infection. Um, hey, my, you know, C-section scar is really itchy. It's kind of red, a little pussy. Oh, that's that's normal. Let's it, let's just put some stuff on it. It'll be fine. Uh, you sure? Like I'm getting a little shaky. Have a fever. Oh, you just you just gave birth. You'll be okay. Like again, there's always an excuse as to why we don't address her issue right there, and that's a problem. Again, like you said, these poor poor hospitals where they're you know short multiple rooms and beds because something doesn't work or they're understaffed or mice have overrun the you know labor and delivery unit and now you have someone who's in labor active labor and they have to wait on a room and again she could be coming in early having again signs of preeclampsia it's like okay hold on we can't book you just yet and like another hour maybe and that that hour that's life or death a mom yeah. who doesn't have any insurance and we've all i'm sure been to the hospital or emergency room at some point in our lives where the second you walk in the door before you're even done discussing what you're there for they're they already there insurance please like oh, here you go you know you throw your car at them while you're you know heaved over in pain and if you don't have insurance that gets documented and so it's like okay you know mm-hmm. this mom is in room 10 she doesn't have insurance though so you know you know, she doesn't have insurance, wink, wink, so you can get to her when you get to her. Because, you know, the doctor's not going to show any haste because they're not getting paid, at least yep. not right away. Again, It's going to be a struggle to get paid. It's going to be a struggle to get paid. And so that automatically puts a ding in your care right there. It shouldn't, but it does. And so these are the things that we're talking about when it comes to the quality of your health care. Definitely. Now, the last point as we wrap things up here that I want to go over from this article is strategies for disparity reduction, teaching clinicians and staff about racial and ethnic differences in maternal outcomes, the significance of mutual decision-making, cultural competence, and unconscious bias are essential measures in mitigating healthcare inequalities. Improving communication and contraception is a start. It's a start, just communication, knowing who your patients are. The cultural competence is a big one because every culture 
has their own you know, methods and regards when it comes to giving birth. There are certain cultures where there's a birth giver who does not want a male to be down there delivering the baby and she requests a female doctor. Now, again, either depending on where you are, there could not be a female doctor on site or it's like, okay, you gotta wait a while, she's on call, gotta call her in, or I'm fine, I'm qualified, I could do it. A lot of women don't even know half of what their birth giving rights are. I had to learn a lot of mine after I gave birth. And mm -hmm. so, you know, things like cervical exams, you don't have to consent to those. The more of those you get, the more prone to infection you are. Um, and so that's, a, you know, kind of mean by cultural competence, like know who your audience is, know who you're speaking to and what you're speaking about and their individualities. And so um, that's a start, just communicating. If you see, you know, there's a nurse on the doctor's staff who's just having a tiff with patients that look a certain way, why is that? Like, maybe you, that person should be pulled aside. Like, why are we feeling this way? Why, you know, when you're going back through your notes, like doctors do at the end of the night, why have you sent home five black women who came in complaining of, you know, chest pain and swollen feet? You sent them home with, you know, some Avil. Like, again, if that's, we need to start looking back at these things. Like, what are these patterns? What could I do differently? Did I do it right? Right, and but then meanwhile, a white woman could come into the same hospital and be, you know, be waited on hand and foot. Yeah, she gets to hang out there all night, gets, you know, sent home in the morning with, you know, a gift basket. Like, you know, again, not exaggerating. Like, this, this is just real life. These are real things that needs to be brought to the light. Absolutely, and I think that if you're a black or minority woman out there, you have to have the mindset that you should not let any doctor or nurse invalidate how you feel. Never, always, Never. always, always advocate for yourself. If you feel you know your body better than anybody, you know your baby better than anybody. So if you feel a certain type of way, you go to the doctor and if that's an answer you just it just doesn't sit right with you get a second opinion mm -hmm. get a third opinion go see as many doctors as you need to to get you the answer that you feel that like you deserve one thing that's been on the rise is a lot more black women getting certified in midwifery and doulas because it's nice to have someone who looks like you represent you and your struggle is their struggle. And you know, that's you guys' fight together. And so these black midwives, cause midwifery, when you think of a midwife, you think of, you know, some older white woman saying push, push. Mm -hmm. um, but no, having some black and minority midwives to aid you in your birth and to let you know that like, hey, you know, this affects me too, I'm here for you. I think that is amazing. I love that and I'm, so for any black women who want to make a difference in healthcare, nursing, midwifery, doulas, if you know, delivery and you know, obstetrics is your thing, please, like you you could save so many lives just by doing that. Amen. And you know, I, I don't think there's a better way to leave off with this episode than that right there. So I wanna thank you, babe, for really sponsoring this episode and making sure that it happened and, and bringing the idea to the table because I think that this is a great topic to talk about. 
really good to bring awareness to the issue. And as always, we'll have the resources that we referenced in this podcast linked for you to check out yourself. And just always remember to be an advocate, whether you are a minority woman or you're a minority man or you're not either. Be an advocate. Understand that this is a problem. It affects a lot of different people in a lot of different geographies. So just always be aware of that. And then in your day-to-day life, check your biases. It doesn't take that long to do. You just have to take a second to think through things critically and ask yourself, why do I feel this way? And that's how a lot of stereotypes can be eradicated. Stereotypes of black people having a lower pain threshold or other groups having certain behavioral patterns. We can overcome these challenges as a human race, as one human race, by recognizing that our ethnic groups, while they may be different, you know, we do have a common humanity together and we shouldn't try to just assign labels on people because they look or act a certain way. I agree. And, you know, this is where I'll sign off. Like you said, look in the mirror and check your biases. If you didn't find one, check in. Thanks for listening about Minority Maternal Mortality. Check out the description of this episode for the resources we referenced on this topic. If this podcast is your cup of tea, then please subscribe for the latest freshly brewed content. As always, let your thirst for curiosity leave you feeling enlightened.